This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiaoik. In conjunction with World Mental Health Day, uh, which is commemorated on the 10th of October, we've been having a lot of conversations related to mental health and mental well-being. And today is going to be an interesting one, slightly different perspective. I'll be looking at the role that occupational therapy place in the treatment and support of people with various mental health conditions. So joining me on the show today, Aifa Jamaluddin, ex-co of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association, and Zuraira Binti Senin, an occupational therapist as well. Um, and we will be discussing um, how occupational therapy is used within the context of mental health conditions, how it can help to improve symptoms, coping mechanisms, and everyday living uh, for people living with these uh, challenges. Perhaps, um, Aifa, I could get you to sort of set the stage. What kind of mental health conditions would benefit from occupational therapy? Can you share some examples? Okay. So as you might know that occupational therapies, we have a long history in the area of mental health, especially during the 19th century, these mental health patients, they are kept in asylums. So they were treated very badly, but not until the moral treatment era is when um, people start to recognize that uh, there are some uh, things that we can do for these people to be able to be functional in their life. So there is the birth of occupational therapy itself in mental health settings. So in looking at the mental health conditions that uh, uh, we deal with, it includes uh, people with depression, anxiety, uh, schizophrenia, and also, uh, bipolar disorder. We also deal with patients with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. And recently, there is an emerging area of practice where occupational therapy has uh, an involvement in the areas of looking at adults with ADHD. So what happens is um, there is a lot of people who have undiagnosed having this condition. Okay, And uh, we have a recent study done in Padana University where um, we were looking at adults who are working in Malaysia and we found that uh, about 30% of them have symptoms of ADHD. Okay, And then another study we have done uh, for undergraduate students in Malaysia, we also found similarly about 40% of them who have symptoms of ADHD and mostly are female. Okay, so that is another area that we are looking at now. And um, just to expand a bit on that, Aifa, do you only come in to work with people who have had a diagnosis of a condition? Or is there also a place for OT when people, you know, they don't meet a diagnosis criteria, but they have some mood issues or things like that? Okay, so uh, those kinds of conditions, uh, at present, we don't really see patients like that. Okay, but those who are, are working in a private practice, they might be um, looking after uh, these people who have just just uh, like minimal uh, symptoms of mental health, like, like what you mentioned. Okay, but in general, 
uh, most of us are working in hospitals and clinics. So that's why uh, uh, these people are diagnosed before coming to OT. And Zuraira, what kind of challenges do people with these mental health conditions face in their daily lives? So on the perspective of, of occupational therapy, of course, uh, we are looking in the occupational uh, domain. Yeah. So part of occupational domain are like activities of daily living, which is what happened to you when you open your eyes, you wake up in the morning, you set up yourself before you go to work. And then there is also an instrumental activities of daily living where you need to use, uh, it's a higher level function of ADL, where you also need to use some tools, some utensils, for example, like driving is an IADL. And of course, in work and play, so also school, schooling. yeah. So for individual with mental health issue, what happened is physically the well-being is okay. okay. You might see them physically well. Of course, when you, for an example, when you wake up early in the morning on a Monday after a great party night on Sunday, perhaps. Okay, so you might feel some Monday blues. But for those who are having mental issues, these Monday blues are a true blue thing. You don't feel like going to work at all. And in fact, you don't feel like going to do your roles and your routines at all. And somehow, along the way, they also didn't really realize, perhaps, or maybe they did realize, but they are at lost in looking for help. But the challenges are when you are having mental issue and you thought you are doing well, but in fact, it already affected your daily living, your roles and your uh, routines in the daily life. Yeah. So, Aifa, then when does occupational therapy come in? And you mentioned that you tend to work in the uh, clinical setting, the hospital clinic setting, sorry. Uh, you tend to work in the hospital and clinic setting. So, let's picture somebody in their journey uh, when they've been diagnosed, uh, probably with a mental health care professional, when does the OT person come in? Okay, so after the diagnosis, usually what OT will do is to assess, okay, to assess their functional status. Uh, we also assess their uh, the severity of the conditions itself. So a lot of uh, standardized and non-standardized assessments are being used to identify the issues that we can help with okay so um, other than assessments we also provide services to patients who are in the inpatient wards okay so these people who have acute uh, mental health conditions or even relapse of their conditions they are kept in an inpatient wards so what we do is that we um, normally read uh, helping in reducing the symptoms and when they are stable then only they can be involved in activities okay so after that uh, we also are mainly um we have the, what we call as outpatient uh, rehabilitation where patients can come daily on daily basis to the hospitals and uh, obtain the treatment there. Okay, so activities mainly uh, can be done in, in individualized or group activities. Okay, OT also involved when it comes to, because we are talking about um, daily life activities. So in, it, it also includes when patients have problems in going to school, going to work. Okay, so OT will help in terms of transition. Okay, transition from um, not being able to work or unemployed 
to be working and um, manage their own finances and so on. Okay. Other than that, you can see OT working in forensic settings um, and also um, in the community. Okay. And um, Zuraira, if you could pick up on IFA's point about working in the community as well, what does that uh, entail? Working in community is that you, uh, I give an example, yeah. So the approach that Kementerian Kesihatan, the Ministry of Health uh, currently approach is that mentari. So mentari is the short form of Pusat Kesihatan Psychiatry Community. So this mentari is a place where the community can come to mentari whenever you feel that you are having some sort of medical, uh, some sort of mental issues and come and sit because in mentari, we provide psychiatrists or medical officers that has psychiatric based compared to the clinic kesihatan or the public health. They mainly are doctors and family medicine specialists. So psychiatrists are not provided in clinic kesihatan. So mentari is an alternative for you before you are going to the hospital for an early assessment in or in a way of being diagnosed with mental health illnesses okay, or mental health conditions. So working in a community setting, in occupational therapy, basically what we provide is we provide a transitional from an institution or from uh, treatment settings in the hospitals into, for the, into the community where patients can play a role in the community as a community members, right? And, you also, you, and we also provide some um, employment transitional program so that the patient, perhaps due to their mental conditions, the patients are not working for some sort of time and to in order to regain back the ability to work, so there is an employment transition program provided by the mentari. So occupational therapy also plays a role in the psychiatric, uh, in the mentari, in the psychiatric setting in the community. All right, um, let's go for a quick break and we will continue this conversation uh, when we come back. I am speaking today to Aifa Jamaluddin, exco of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association and Zuraira Binti Senin, an occupational therapist and we're discussing the role of OT in mental health conditions. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. Joining me on the show today via Zoom, Zuraira Binti Senin, an occupational therapist, and Aifa Jamaluddin, exco of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association. We are looking at the role of occupational therapy in mental health conditions. And so far, we have discussed uh, sort of uh, what are the principles of how occupational therapy helps people living with mental health conditions in the occupational domain, um, activities, routines, tasks and responsibilities that are related to their daily living. I also, I guess, want to look at how OT would help somebody manage their mental health conditions. So, so that aspect, yes. I guess, <laughs> where, um, so as I understand it, mental health conditions are chronic. You, you live with them. Um, you know, you, you cannot uh, promise somebody that they would be cured of it. There could be relapses that they have to deal with, as you alluded to earlier. I want to talk about how OT can help individuals learn to manage those ups and downs of their condition. Aifa, perhaps you could talk a little bit about that. Okay. You are absolutely right when you talk about that mental health conditions is a chronic condition. and it's 
uh, I guess impossible to cure even if uh, the patients are taking medications they would not be cured from the conditions it's just that they have to uh, they may have reduced symptoms or sometimes the medications can even have side effects okay then uh, that that will lead to for example uh, cognitive issues uh, where they have um, reduced memory or even they have uh, trouble in sleeping and things like that. However, what OT can offer is that the idea is that we are going to help them when they address to us that they have problems in their daily life activities. Okay, so we are looking at what are the factors that are causing the issue or the problems at, at hand. Okay, so therefore, if the problems uh, the, the patients have uh, for example problem solving skills issue or they have issues in coping the 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 symptoms that they have for example hallucination okay you imagine that a person with hallucinations uh, visual hallucination they are looking at something that is bothering them all the time so they might feel very annoyed and stressed about it Okay, so how how do we intervene so that the patient can live their norm, a normal life? Okay, without having to be aware of the, the this uh, annoyance from the hallucinations. Okay, so OT will help in terms of um, improving or coping skills. For example, we teach them the deep breathing techniques or even uh, progressive muscle relaxations for them so that they have this time off from, from having the symptoms itself. Okay, we also talk about improving their daily life functions so that they are able to be independent as they can in terms of looking at uh, uh, their own self-care, um, uh, managing of their house chores, for example. Okay, they have to know how to cope or how to resolve the issue as quick as they can. They have to bounce back okay, to have that resilience in order to get back to their own two feet. And we also talk about um, a holistic approach. Means that uh, it's not just about the person itself. It's about on how the environment can support their functions. For example, adaptations, home adaptations, are useful when it comes to reducing the energy, reducing the um, loads of work that they have to do each day. Okay, L let me give an example. If a mother who is depressed, okay, but at the same time he, she has to take care of the children and the 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 house chores. Okay, so in order to do that. If, let's say, we do some modifications to the house, for example, by installing some um, system, okay, organization system, or even uh, some something simple like using an electronic appliances, that also might help them to reduce the burden and simplify their uh, task. Okay, so that are things that we consider when we look at a patient. Zuraira, is there anything you'd like to add to that in terms of the coping strategies or, or regulation skills that um, help them to actually manage their condition? 
So I believe first thing first before you start in coping this as a coping skills or emotional regulation, the patient itself need to realize that you are having a certain uh, a certain problems relating to your mental health. And usually when we're talking about coping skills, it's uh, the strategies of how for you to reduce the unpleasant emotions that you are having currently. Okay, so let's take it on the neurosis part, for example, anxiety, anxiousness, all right? People might feel anxious. So let's have a situation here. Maybe perhaps one person have an experience of motor vehicle accident, all right? So for the next time after that particular person recover, of course, he or she having trouble to start driving again, okay? So those are the things. So those are the feelings that help them back from returning to their functions in driving. Okay, so what we do is, in, in terms of coping skills, well, quoting IFASIT, first is how you approach or how you expose to the driving situation and then maybe provide some comfort. For example, deep breathing exercise, okay? Uh, deep breathing technique. Also, we can also provide them with some desensitization of the situation, okay? So when we're talking about uh, to involve back or to return back, despite you are having this kind of feelings, sign and symptom. Of course, emotional regulation is also plays a role where it's your ability to, to respond to the current situation, to what you are experiencing, and also the ability to not responding. Okay, Because some res not all responses are good responses. Okay, Some responses you need to be held back. Okay, So this emotional regulation, first thing is, of course, from the exposure itself. So... On, as an occupational therapy, basically we will uh, we do some analysis on how would a person respond to a certain situation. Of course, we wanted to know what situations trigger and how how does it and how much does it trigger the emotions. Okay, so in terms of emotional regulation, of course we would like to teach the the person some. There are a few techniques. Okay, like for you to visualize the situation and how would you respond. And sometimes also they are scripted. You script the situation in your mind, okay? And then you will script how you respond. Okay. Um, so I guess all these things with the examples you've given, deep breathing, uh, relaxation, desensitization. I mean, basically that would answer what would have been my next question, which is what are the kinds of interventions you you use and teach, right? Those those are what we call as preparatory interventions. Okay, not only the preparatory interventions that we provide to the patients, but we also uh, have the patients to be involved in what we call as meaningful or purposeful activities as well as occupation-based activities. So these two are slightly different in terms of when we talk about the purposeful activities, it means that it is um, the activities are tailored to what the patients are interested in. For example, um, let's say we talk about schizophrenic patients who have uh, positive symptoms like hallucinations or delusions okay so when they have these positive symptoms the activities that can help to alleviate the symptoms okay to to ignore the symptoms is by doing something that is interesting to them okay so we as an occupational therapist during our assessments we also uh, take into account what are the interests 
of the patients. Okay, so uh, when, when we have that information, so the activities that we do with the patient, for example, painting or maybe gardening or even uh, some domestic activity or cooking activity to, with the patients, so that the patients can engage in the occupations to alleviate the symptoms of uh, schizophrenia. Okay, and then um, I have uh, mentioned just now that we also involve the patient in occupation-based activities. So these kinds of activities are activities that are in real occupations that the patients are currently into. For example, work. Okay, so what we do with the patients is that we observe the patients into their real work situation and modifications or even uh, coping strategies are implemented into the occupations uh, that we are looking at at that particular time. Hmm. And Zurara, how do you set goals for each individual's occupational therapy uh, journey? And how much of um, the individual's needs and uh, own objectives are important here? So in setting goals for uh, patients uh, in mental health issues or conditions, basically, we use an, a holistic approach. Okay, So first thing, of course, the patient needs to play an important role as well. But however, um, sometimes patients can be can have sorts of overwhelming goals. Okay, the, In mental health conditions, what we want is we want to reduce unachievable goals. So we wanted to have some achievable goals, of course, in the short term and in the long term as well. So if the goals can be quite high, setting by the patients, so perhaps it might result in frustration. So we, we work together with the patient. Okay. So some patients might also doesn't have any goals setting. Okay, the patient might not, uh, the person might not set any goals. So we need to provide some goals for them as well. So in terms of goal setting, what we wanted is first is independency. So through independency, of course, you have a control for your life. So those things result in an empowerment. So if you have a control for your life, basically bits and parts, your mood will elevate, of course, and people will start to uh, feel comfortable around you. So of course, those feelings, when you are feel like being accepted by other people in your curse, in your circle and like in your family, those are, you will feel much comfortable. Okay. So setting goals in individual with mental conditions, mental health conditions. Um, first is independency, of course. And secondly is ability, ability to involve in community and social lives. Right. And next, perhaps a higher setting, but it's also achievable is return to work. Mm. So mm. when do you deem that someone has met those goals and can actually be discharged from your care? So whenever, of course, we do some reassessment, right? So we can do some reassessment and sometimes we do some home visits. We wanted to see how this patient performs at home at, or maybe at school or maybe at work site, right? Um, Afterwards, this goal, the goal can be very dynamic. So once you achieve a certain goals or maybe a certain milestone, some patients started to have bigger ambitions. Maybe they wanted to feel more, much better. Okay, so goal setting not only in during the initial, uh, initial part, initial time of the treatment or the therapy. So during the course of the therapy, 
somewhere in the middle, we might change our goals so that goals can be very dynamic. So there are patients, okay, there are patients who might see us um, maybe few maybe a few months, okay. So along the few months, they wanted to achieve more. So sometimes the therapy can go to years, but the frequency of treatment can differ. Okay? Once we see the patients is more independent in their ADL and the goals are more complicated, wanted to return to work or having something to do like productive activity to be done at home or maybe creating new hobbies. So those goals are more complicated, need more time. However, they will have more authority in their own goals. So the frequency meeting occupational therapy will be reduced, but we'll st still keep in touch, still in the therapy, uh, still in the therapy session. Mm. So Aifa, what Zoraira has painted um, sounds like it needs to be sustained, right? OT is not one-off, it's not short-term. Uh, so then uh, looking at accessibility of OT for people with mental health conditions, especially equity-wise, right? Um, is it expensive? Are there options, accessible options for people in our population? Okay, maybe I can talk about from a pers uh, pers the perspective of a private uh, occupational therapist. Then Zuraira may talk about the 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 mental health settings in uh, the government setting. Okay, so in private settings, uh, I mean you cannot run away from um, paying, uh, maybe ranging from um, one hundred to 200 it depends on the location of the uh, settings and also the the requirements or needs uh, of uh, services that you are going to get from the practitioners okay but then um, I mean it is quite sad to see that our insurance company do not cover for the the financial implications of having a mental health conditions. So I guess this is something that we have to look into. So as for the government setting, yeah. Um, so basically government setting in hospitals, of course, there are two. So first is public health, second is hospital. So uh, psychiatric and mental health uh, services provided by the hospital. And also Malaysia has a mental health act that allows the citizen to receive mental health treatment for free. Okay. And also for free for those who the card holder of uh, Jabatan Kebajikan Masyarakat, your OKU card. Okay. Um, so that is in the government setting. So for occupational therapy, of course, sometimes if you if you don't have the JK, the OKU card, you need to pay five ringgit per visit. So that is in the hospital setting. However, if you are going to the Mentari, uh, the psychiatric uh, Pusat Kesihatan Mental Community, all right, the Mentari. Mentari is currently free of charge, okay. But it is, but it's a, it's um, but Mentari is mainly for screening purposes, and secondly, is for the supported employment services in Mentari. However, of course, there are limitations in terms of availability or frequency of treatment. Okay, so we understand that we are limit. Uh, we have limits in. Uh, manpower, of course, in, in currently in my setting, occupational therapy during uh, psychiatric and mental health is only two occupational therapists, even though despite we have quite a number of specialists and uh, medical officers. So, and also if you wanted, if you wanted to see or you need to seek treatment from subspecialists, for example, in adolescent or teenage issues in mental health, 
um, there is a subspecialty and the subspecialist, the uh, the consultants available sometimes, you can only meet twice per year, so every six months. So despite the free treatment, right, despite the services that being provided with I, perhaps with, I do believe, the current medication and the current uh, knowledge, it is still very much lacking in terms of manpower. So, of course, you have to wait some time to mm. receive treatment. Mm-hmm. That's a universal challenge that we're facing in our public health care setting. And I think also this clearly sends home the message. We need more occupational therapists um, yes. across the country. <laughs> um, we'll go for another quick break. And when we come back, I just, I just want to bring the conversation back to the individual level again and what can we do or what can each person do to ensure success of um, their uh, recovery uh, with the support of the occupational therapist. I'm speaking to Aifa Jamaluddin, ex-co of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association and Zuraira Binti Senin, an occupational therapist. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. I'm speaking today to Aifa Jamaluddin, ex-co of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association and Zuraira Binti Senin, occupational therapist, about the role of OT in mental health conditions. And um, I want to wrap it up uh, in these last few minutes by looking at what individuals, and I think importantly, the caregivers and people around them, uh, can do to ensure the success uh, of their rehabilitation and their journey of occupational therapy. So perhaps first, Aifa, what might be some resistance or, or perhaps let's say challenges that your clients might face while going through OT and how can we manage this? Um, again, if we are looking at mental health uh, rehabilitation, so we know that the the symptoms or the appearance of the patient is not seen from the outside like as if a person have a physical disability and such okay so this makes it hard for them to be able to express what they actually feel or what they are actually going through okay so therefore OT have uh, OT or even healthcare professionals, we have to look at the patients. We have to understand the patient um, empathetically. Okay, so we we really have to be non-judgmental. So the healthcare professionals, including OT, should also be actively listening uh, to the patient's uh, problems. Okay, um, give them as much as you can information about the conditions. So this is very important because the patient have to understand what they are they are going through. Okay, and assure that the patients are uh, may be able to 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 uh, proceed with their uh, independent life. Okay, and um, in terms of uh, resistance, okay, uh, it, when we talk about patients who deny their condition, okay, this is what we call as insights, okay. So, psychoeducation might help in terms of uh, lifting or making them uh, aware about the conditions. And Zuraira, what can individuals themselves and their caregivers do to support? 
this rehabilitation process and ensure um, you know, better outcomes for themselves? I guess first thing is for you to understand the condition. Okay, so usually, so basically, usually in um, psychiatric setting here, there is a family support group. So this family support group is important where you teach the family regarding the condition of the patient and then you teach the family to how do you handle, how to handle this kind of patient. Because of course, when family, when there are some people with mental health illness in your family, you are you also at loss. You don't know how to react. And you don't know, is this true? Or perhaps uh, they just is it is it for, for is it temporary or is it for permanent? Or how will this how will these family members of mine survive? Okay. And how do I react whenever things get out of control? So basically, family members need to be empowered as well with the knowledge and how to handle the patients when they are relapses or when they are when, or when they are suffering the serious symptoms. Okay. So this family support group provides knowledge. First is knowledge. Secondly, is the techniques, basic techniques, how to handle the patients when at home. And of course, we also provide some comfort among them. Only the person with similar surroundings and similar situation understands each other. So we believe that even we as occupational therapists, me, me myself, I cannot even, we can imagine, but what we feel, the burden that they are feeling, we cannot, we can't feel it. We're not the same. Yeah. So that is where I facet empathy. So this, uh, so family need to understand the condition. They also need to know how to handle the patients. So from there, they will, they can realize which is importance. Okay. So, Going to therapy is important. Going to the, going to meet the specialists and uh, adherence to your medication is important. So this, all of this plays a role, because occupational therapists only see the patients during our treatment sessions, perhaps once a month, and of course we expect some improvement. Okay, after two to three sessions, we do expect some improvements. Uh, so family members plays a vital role in ensuring there is improvements or at least there is no further deterioration in the patients from suffering from the mental health issues. Yeah, I guess I can add a something on that as well because caregivers, um, although you, you can say that they need to support the patient, but sometimes you also have to look at them themselves, whether they are actually taking care of themselves because it's not easy to live with someone with mental health conditions, especially if the patients are aggressive or especially uh, when they have like breakdowns and things like that. And studies have shown that these conditions, the mental health conditions are usually genetically inherited. Okay, so it's common to see like parents with their children all in the family have a similar or the same condition. So it's hard for them to manage someone with mental health condition if they also have mental health condition. So that is why it's important also that the caregiver take care of themselves as well. So they need to look for support. Okay, support group also applies for them as well. All right. And if I can um, get each of you to wrap up with a final message for our listeners on driving home the message, the importance of ensuring and supporting that uh, people with mental health conditions to be able to participate in daily occupations. Perhaps Aifa first? Okay. Um, maybe one thing that I feel 
that is uh, the core of the issue is to reduce the stigma among the community around the patients because stigma always comes from those who are close to the person. So if, like for example, employers, they have stigma towards their co-workers who have or, or their employees who have uh, a, a med mental conditions. So therefore, maybe that person will be isolated and support are not given to the person. So that's why I guess stigma is something that we really have to work on in terms of improving our mental health system and care for the patients. And Zoraira? Well, there is a saying that it took a village to raise a child. So indeed, it took a village, you know, to taking care of people around us with mental illnesses. Um, I believe what we can do is be a good community. Okay, you, we might not understand, maybe far from our understanding what is this condition is all about, but be understandable and be kind to, towards one another. A family might need, can take care of a person with mental issues. But who are going to care for the family? Of course, the community. So each and everyone plays a vital role in terms of understanding and accepting a person when they are having issues with mental health. Thank you so much. I've been speaking today to Aifa Jamaluddin, exco of the Malaysian Occupational Therapy Association and Zuraira Binti Senin, an occupational therapist. I've been looking at mental health conditions, the role of occupational therapy and also beyond right, the role of family and community in supporting people living with these conditions. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.